welcome to the Catching Health Podcast. I'm Diane Atwood, your own personal health reporter. My guest today is Daphne Russell. Daphne is a licensed paramedic in Maine and has worked for United Ambulance Service since 2003. Now, when you think of paramedics working for an ambulance service, the first image you probably conjure up is the crew speeding off to an emergency. Daphne has certainly done her share of that, but she is now a full-time community paramedic, and she helped develop a home visit program for United Ambulance. Community paramedicine is a growing trend around the country, in fact, around the world. Daphne is here to explain how it works and how it fills a need. Hi there, Daphne. Thank you for being with us. Hi, thank you for having me. So let's begin with, in a nutshell, What is community paramedicine? Sure. So community paramedicine, even though it's new to Maine, um, we started a pilot program through Maine EMS in May 2013 and have been doing it ever since. Uh, Community paramedicine is really taking a paramedic that has had some experience in the 911 situation, giving them some additional training um, to go into the home. And instead of being more of a reactive role, it's proactive. So how can we decrease those emergencies, make people safer in the home and educate them on how to better take care of themselves essentially so it, it it fills a gap then in certain communities would you say yes definitely in each community if you look at our community here as far as united ambulance service and the lewiston auburn area it's going to be very different from say northern maine and their community so it allows the um, ambulance service to really take a look at their community needs and what they are and try to fill that gap to better serve their population So yours is not the only program in Maine, for instance. We're a pretty rural state. Yes, and we actually do serve also in the Lewiston-Auburn area, but we're also serving through a MEHAF grant, um, the population that is more rural up in the Bridgeton, Sweden, Harrison area. So we've recently, within the last six months, have brought community paramedicine to that rural area. Where did community paramedicine even begin? It began years ago, and really um, there's other states such as Minnesota and Texas that are further along in their, um, in their programs as far as community paramedicine, but it's been around for a long time. And if you look at some of those smaller islands that are connected with Maine, um, they essentially have been doing this for, me- for years, and that neighbors have been looking out and taking care of each other. Um, so it's really kind of mimicking that. Um, Kevin McGinnis was one of the first ones in Maine to really write and propose um, community paramedicine in Maine and how can we better um, serve our communities with whether it's our downtime or like myself, a full-time community paramedic. So how is what you provide different from say home health services? Sure. So we do recognize and we don't compete with our home health, but we are really there to better serve the population. So the people that aren't eligible for home health refuse home health or are refused uh, by home health, whether it's insurance or whatever those needs. But we recognize that there's a very large population that is not receiving the in-home services that they need. And that's really our target population right there are the ones that don't have any ongoing um, care in the home. And do you have to work with, say, the person's primary care provider? Or can an individual use your services without any kind of a referral, just call you up? Um, no. In order for anybody to enroll into our program, they can request services, so meaning another agency or service locally. 
um, whether it was a local Seniors Plus or Meals on Wheels, anybody can request services. The referral has to come directly from the primary care. So that's essentially who kind of comes up with our care plan, what the person's needs are, and actually sign a home visit referral form for us that allows the community paramedic to go into the home. Okay, so I know both of my parents had the home health services, um, and there were people who came to the house and did um, some well-being checks, I, I think in the beginning, but what is it that, what's the criteria for home health that you don't need? Does that make sure. sense? <laughs> Yep. Yep. Um, so the criteria would be um, somebody, you know, that needs some assistance. So some of the services I should say that we offer is really um, an in-home safety check. Um, we reviews, review medications, um, what their allergies are, medical conditions, help educate them on their chronic disease, um, connect them to local resources where they may benefit from. Uh, we do fall risk assessment, um, blood draws if needed. Um, and really try to help educate that person on how to better take care of themselves and manage their chronic disease. Now, in saying that, if they're eligible for, for home health, that's where they should go. So we just recognize that there's a huge population that upon being discharged from the hospital or those individuals that frequently use the emergency department, um, that they aren't eligible for home health. And that's really the population in which we're trying to um, really connect with. Okay. And you're also not talking about telemedicine. You actually physically go to people's houses. We do. And the visits are really according to what their needs are. I have some clients that, you know, maybe a biweekly visit or weekly, some are monthly. It just depends on their needs and what that primary care has set up for a care plan. Our program is really designed for more episodic care, um, meaning that it's short term. So we, obviously our goal is to discharge and get people up to where where they need to be in order to better take care of themselves. Um, but we also recognize that there's huge barriers, whether it's, you know, um, different types of uh, social determinants of health. Do they have issues um, with getting food when they're discharged? Do they have issues with receiving their medications and paying their co-pays? So there's many, many th different avenues in which we have to look at so that this person can have um, better overall health. Now, how large an area do you serve? It sounds like that your program serves a pretty large area. We do serve a large area. Um, and so United is really um, unique in the aspect as, as far as uh, ambulance service in Maine. We're actually owned by two different hospitals, both um, Central Maine Medical Center as well as St. Mary's. So we really service wherever they feel that, um, wherever this an individual lives that needs services, ongoing in the home is is really we'll pretty much go anywhere wherever the need is as long as we're not overlapping another community paramedic program so in that um there has been a few instances where we actually will, will just refer to that other community paramedic service if it's available but if not we will go wherever the hospitals deem um it's necessary and needed now, you mentioned a lot of services that you provide. Do you find that you provide some services more than others? 
Yes, definitely. I would have to say that um, assistance with medication management and I do in a medication reconciliation, meaning that I compare with what the doctor has for an updated medication list to what the person's actually taking in the home. I would have to say that that's the number one reason why people are referred. Um, and in saying that there has been, you know, different circumstances that there's some sort of medication discrepancy that this person didn't know that this medication was discontinued or they're taking this medicine just to finish it up, but yet they've had another one prescribed to them. Um, so there's many issues and education needed around how to appropriately take their medicine. Can you walk me through like the first contact that you might have about a patient? Maybe give me sure. a, a case history or something like that. Yep. Um, so usually when they're always referred and the referral has to be signed off by the primary care or healthcare provider, meaning a nurse practitioner um, or something of that sort. So once we receive that, we usually get some background information um, and connect with that primary care with one of the nurses in that office. And they kind of give us a general census as to what type of services they need. Also, the documentation would be faxed over or sent to me through their medical record. Um, from there, I call that individual and would connect um, and set up a home visit according to when they're available as well as myself and kind of go from there. Um, I like to always introduce myself prior to kind of give them a description of the vehicle that I drive so that they know. Um, I always have a photo ID um, so that they know that it's, it's safe um, and that's who I am and who I'm connected with. Um, from there, it's really a meet and greet. And do they understand why they've been referred to the program? And what are some goals we can set? And what does their care plan look like that we really sit down and um, have that face to face with that individual who's very involved in drive their care plan themselves? Hmm. Now, you are a trained paramedic. And yes. Are all programs built the same way as yours using tra no. trained paramedics? Um, no, they can be different throughout Maine because if you look at our state as a whole, it's very rural. Um, so there are smaller ambulance services um, that do fewer calls per year that may have volunteers or they may have a you know full-time paramedic on duty during the day. You don't have to be a paramedic in order to do these type of home visits, um, but it just has to be approved by Maine EMS and whatever that ambulance service sets forth and um, puts in their application application process is really approved by Maine EMS, but there are ones that will use an advanced EMT or a basic to do um, what's really within their scope of practice. So it's not changing our scope of practice. Our roles may be a little bit different, um, but our scope of practice as a pre-hospital provider always remains the same. So people can do it with a basic or advanced EMT. Right. I'd like you to explain what, what's within your scope of practice or any licensed EMT in our state, at least. Sure. So there are three, three different levels currently um, in Maine. So there's a basic um, EMT and an advanced EMT, and then you have paramedics. So three different um, license levels. And it really depends on um, what you can do is really based upon your assessment ability, as well as um, giving medications and um, providing more life-saving um, type inter interactions um, with that individual. So it's really based on what you can do as far as your skill and license level. Okay. Now you've told us how individuals might 
benefit from this program, but how about a community? How might a community benefit from having such a program? Sure. So um, a community as a whole can benefit just because there's we're able to better serve that population that otherwise sometimes um, would fall through that gap, a healthcare gap, and that they don't receive the services because maybe they're not considered homebound or they don't have a particular insurance that would give them home health, but they need some assistance in the home. So there's a huge population that falls within that gap. So we're really aiming to better serve that population by connecting them with resources, by educating them in the home. How can they be safer? Um, what kind of other resources do they have or may not even know about that are available within their community. How does a community or anybody in a community determine that there might be a need for a community paramedic program? Sure. Um, I'd have to say that it's really about um, different agencies, hospitals coming together, different healthcare providers all coming together, and maybe some sort of community stakeholders type group that really come together and what, what are the gaps within their community and doing what they call a community needs assessment, um, which anybody can really do. And that information is actually out there. Um, and in Maine, um, there's certain groups and hospitals that have to do a community needs assessment and to find that information um, and really it would have to be different agencies coming together to really um, hone in on what services are available and what's not available within that community and then adjust accordingly. Right, as we've said, the need can change from one community to the next and one community it might be that there's an elderly population Sure, and it may be accessibility. So you look at rural rural areas with throughout Maine, which were very rural states, as well as our aging population. Um, and what is their access to care? Do they have access to care? Are there is their population within that area higher than that of uh, the primary care available? So, looking at that sort of stuff, is it a transportation um, issue? Is it access to health? Um, that sort of thing, because some of these rural communities just don't have a lot of the resources that they need. Right. I've read that the two biggest barriers to getting proper appropriate health care is access and mm-hmm. affordability. So let's talk about money for a minute. Are these services reimbursable? Um, well, in other states such as Minnesota and Texas, they are being reimbursed by third-party payers. Um, currently in Maine, we are not getting reimbursed for these. Um, so that has made us as United Ambulance and some other services as well seek out some grant funding um, so that in the meantime, we are working forward and at a state level, they are working towards reimbursement, um, but we're not there currently. Um, So I know as far as for us here at United, we've seeked out um, some grant funding in order to continue um, community paramedicine and being able to serve our population, which also, like I talked about earlier with the MEHAF grant that we're working with, with Central Maine Medical Center and Tri-County Mental Health, that's really accessing and opening up community paramedicine to that rural area so that therefore over the next three years, we can obtain some of that data. How have we made a difference, not only in these individuals' lives and outcome, overall health outcome, but also how have we 
helped and assisted in saving healthcare dollars? How have we prevented the ER visits, the readmissions, and connected people to their primary care and educated them on what's appropriate use of emergency medical services? Are you also the grant writer? I am not. No, no, not my specialty. I'm more patient care. <laughs> okay. How many of there are? How many people are on your team? Um, right now, there's currently three of us. I am the only full-time. Um, there is a part-timer that will fill in, as well as my manager will fill in, um, say, when I'm on vacation or I have a high workload. Um, they do assist me when needed. So I'd say overall, um, on a weekly basis, we designate anywhere from 40 to 50 hours uh, to community paramedicine. We do have the luxury here at United because um, the board made up of individuals from Central Maine and St. Mary's really stand behind community paramedicine and know that there's a huge population in which we're able to help um, both save healthcare dollars, but also increase um, the person's awareness of their own medical issues and increase their overall life. Um, and uh, so they do stand behind that. Um, so we're fortunate here in that we have a full-timer where in as some ambulance services throughout Maine, they're taking on-duty crews and seeing people in between visits. Oh, wow. So that's how it, it's really challenging without any sort of reimbursement. Um, that's a really uh, the, the number one barrier for other services to pick up community, community paramedicine and want to really do it. Because you actually provide the services at no cost to the patients, correct? Exactly. There's no cost to the patient currently. Yeah. It, it must be gratifying for you, though, when you work with somebody and you see them change their lifestyle. Yes, and have them realize and um, set goals and achieve those goals and know that they can, they can do this. They can um, better take care of themselves, be proactive, and really how can some of these individuals, which can be really challenging, but how can they navigate through the healthcare system is a huge challenge that many people have, regardless of age or gender or, or cultural background. That's a big challenge for everybody. So how can we assist them with that process and really link with the primary care. So the community paramedic is really the eyes and ears um, in the home as far as what's going on, are there any safety concerns, um, and that sort of thing for that primary care or healthcare provider. Do you miss your old job? I don't. I find this is, is really rewarding. I love working with this population, um, even though it can be extremely challenging at times. Um, with just the overall lack of resources for people. Um, but I, I really see that this is an underserved population. And I've been and have seen people over the last four years now um, really achieve really um, goals that they never thought that they could and that they can really take the initiative when it comes to their health care. If someone's interested in developing their own community paramedicine program, where would you suggest they start, whether they're here in our state of Maine or any place around the country? Sure. I think it really depends on their state because the um, the licensure, the governing um, EMS system can look different from state to state. So for somebody starting in Maine, I would really point them in the direction of um, navigating and connecting with main EMS that would th therefore um, really set forth what they need to do as far as an application process and what that would look like. Is that mainemscom 
Um, MainEMS.gov uh, is where they would go through. Um, so anybody that's involved with um, or works as a pre-hospital provider would most likely be very aware with that because that is the service that oversees all pre-hospital providers as well as services. Um, so that's who they would go through and they would connect them and um, get them through that application process and what that would look like. And is there a national EMS organization? Yes, there is. There's um, a national um, organization that um, if you were to even Google, say, community paramedicine, you would have those options come up. And there's many other states that are um, further along in their process that you'd be able to see what they're doing, um, how they connected uh, with their community or their population, and how to go about a community needs assessment to see where, where those gaps are in your own community. And what about you? I mean, you helped build this program in Lewiston. Are you available for consultation to or to answer anybody's questions? Most definitely, so yes. What, what's yeah. the best way to reach you? So the best way to reach me would be um, either the Prevention and Wellness Office, um, which is my number, and that's 207-440-2662, or they could email at prevention at unitedambulance.net. Or they could go right to the United Ambulance website, and they would see there that you can actually click on um, community paramedicine and or home visit program, and that would walk you through everything and how to actually connect with us as well, okay, either well, myself or the manager. Great. I will make sure to include these on the blog, so direct links for people. Great. Is there anything that uh, you expected me to ask or you wish I had asked you that I didn't? No, I don't think so. Maybe um, just a story about um, maybe a client or two. Okay, let's do it. I could add. So um, with that being said, uh, the couple that come to mind is one um, one female that is uh, roughly mid-30s um, that are prior, prior or a year prior to enrollment into our community paramedic program had utilized the emergency room up to um, roughly about 80 times in that one year prior to. And then after enrollment, we were able to decrease that, um, the rate uh, or the frequency of the ED visits to about 60%. So we're able to really reduce that by connecting her with the appropriate resources and or to address her um, her needs um, and educating her on her own chronic diseases and how could she better take care of herself. Um, yeah. So the key for her was just gaining some new information, some knowledge. Yeah. And really that security of, um, I have somebody that I can call, um, you know, if I have issues and I'm not sure that I even need to see my primary, um, but I can, I can have somebody come in and check my vital signs when maybe she's feeling a little anxious or something like that, or have that reinforcement um, as far as how to better manage her own chronic disease, whether it was, you know, her asthma or just address her anxiety as well. And by connecting her with the local um, uh, mental health agency and working together with that, that case manager had, has really been key for her. And that's where we were able to really have some successes to address both those issues, her, her medical component, but also her mental health. Um, and that was, really, that was really the role of the case, case manager. 
So another really important component of the program to make it successful is that you and your team have to be really connected to the resources that are available. Yes, and I have to say, as as far as um, a community paramedic, it's really vital that that agency be well connected within that community. And I know here in the Lewis and Auburn area, with working with both hospitals and the primary care and different agencies out there, um, it's been really nice to have a community stakeholders group that really connects and gets all, all these agencies together so that, yes, we're aware of what, what we do, so we don't duplicate services, um, but we try to fill those gaps and what gaps are there, but also well, what does that referral process look like? What is it that this agency really has to offer individuals and how can we better better serve the population that really needs help? And so you being in a more urban area, I would think that you probably have access to more resources than a community that is much more rural. So a community paramedicine program in a really rural area might face different or more challenges. Yes, and it's the lack of resources. Because in the Lewis and Auburn area, we are relatively rich in what resources out there being urban. But if you look at Bridgeton um, area, that that's really considered rural, and there's a large uh, population over the age of 65. So their their um, community resources are are not what they are here. So how can we come together? And there is a community like stakeholders group that we'll be meeting with and getting involved in in that area. And at least if there's a community paramedicine program, there is one valuable resource for people. Yes, definitely. And and whatever resources are out there, we will utilize that um, and connect people with those resources. And I found over the last few years, especially here in the Lewiston Auburn area, that people just don't know that there's certain resources out there. Hmm. And again, it comes down to eligibility, which can be a challenge. Um, but there are resources out there that people may not know about. And are you well connected with other community paramedicine programs within the state and around the country? Yes. Um, so we actually here at United Airlines, um, there's a community um, paramedic technician course, um, as well as a full community paramedic course that we actually offer here, and that's through Hennepin College, which is in Minnesota. Um, so we're well connected with them. It's the course that I went through, um, and I, I have to say I really learned a lot from that program. It really enhanced me as a community paramedic, and um, as well as skills, but also with how to connect with resources within your own community and doing that community needs assessment. So we do offer that here. It's an online type course that you do, um, and I can't say enough about that, but we do offer that here. Well, that's good so, to know. Yeah, you could always check that out on our um, United Ambulance website under the Education Division and or call our Education Department, which they'd be more than happy to give you more details about that. Good, because I'm guessing there might be some people who are paramedics or EMTs who might be interested and want to look into it further. So that that's good that you have that available. Yeah, it's a great program. I think that you and your team are doing great work. Thank you. Thanks, Daphne, for making us aware of community paramedicine. I, I had not even heard of it before we had our conversation a few months ago. So I've learned something, too. Hopefully it grows. With people like you, it will. I've been talking with Daphne Russell. She's a community paramedic with United Ambulance Service here in Maine and is its prevention and wellness coordinator. And we've been talking about 
community paramedicine. I'm Diane Atwood, and you've been listening to the Catching Health Podcast. For more health information that makes a difference, check out my blog at catchinghealth.com, and have a great day.